0: Hey guys, it's Kyle. Today is Memorial Day. We don't have a regular show for you, but we do have this uh, hour-plus long interview we recorded with Josh Ennis. Actually, back while we were still doing test shows. Uh, keep in mind for this, there are four of us recording in four different locations, and we were still trying to work out the logistics of how we were going to record the show. So there are a few audio issues. Uh, The original plan was to take this uh, episode or this interview and spread it across a number of our first few shows, but we quickly realized that our 45-minute or so normal shows was actually kind of short, and we weren't sure what to do with it, so we decided to run it today in full. So um, this was actually recorded just over a month ago before the NFL draft, so some of what we talk about might be a little bit dated, but I thought you would enjoy it. So um, here's our interview with Josh Innes, and we will be back on Wednesday with the regular shows enjoy all right crossing broadcast we are back with uh with josh ennis sort of uh almost becoming a regular on uh well i guess some version of of my podcasting uh what's going on man
1: not much i guess two times on here makes me a regular actually no technically it'd be three would it not what was the third Um, what, what was I on when I called you the, the one time that you were on with the guy who talked all sorts of shit and then didn't say anything whenever I was on?
0: Oh, oh, no, that was actually Sean braces. Uh, I think that was Sean's podcast. And then John, John Barchard, uh, who I had used to do one with, he, he eviscerated you and you got off the line, which, uh, I, I had a side with you on that one. I thought he, uh, he pushed out a little bit. A lot sure, of it, but actually. the excuse
1: was, well, you know, it wasn't uh, it wasn't my podcast, so I didn't want to interrupt. But you just felt free to just rip me a new asshole whenever I hung up, which is fine. I don't yeah. care if you like me or dislike me or whatever, but if you're going to do it, then just while you got me there, tell me that I'm a piece of shit.
0: Yeah, no, I agree. I agree. I gave him some grief over that too. He should have He should have just let you have it. It would have made for a better conversation anyway.
2: Yo, can I ask a uh, question? Josh, how many people yeah. have told you you're a piece of shit? Like from uh, your well, radio. Like, in
1: per- like in person?
2: Yeah, like how many people do you think have had the balls to come up to you that disagreed with you and actually look you in the face and go, Josh, I think you're a piece of shit.
1: Well, that's actually a fair question. Uh, a lot of times when I was in Philadelphia, I would be like walking my dog in Yunk or something, and I'd get a combination of things. Uh, sometimes people would roll down the window and say, Hey Josh, love the show. And then there would be some people that would say, "Yo, go fuck yourself." I got a lot of that, like "fuck you, Ennis." I got a lot, Ooh, and go fuck yourself. And I, like, but honestly, like, like it was fine because at least people were paying attention to what I was doing. But generally speaking, more of that happens on social media or Facebook. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, that type of stuff. People will say, you know, go fuck yourself. You're this. You're that. But for the most part, people talk a really big game, and then when they meet you in person, they tend to be you know decent people. I want to say a guy tried to fight me once at an Eagles game, maybe, or like went off on me in a bathroom at an Eagles game. I I, I forgot, but I think that might have been the case. Uh, but outside of that, I never really encountered a lot of people who were assholes in person. That's good. It,
0: well, I, we all know like social media obviously makes it easier, but I even find that the people who like will comment with the absolute nastiest stuff on the website the amount of emails i get that are that are like that is like half a percent the bar for someone even just to take the time to email you as opposed to leaving you a message on twitter or in the comments is so much higher that like let alone talking to you whether it's over the phone or in person the the bar is that much higher to actually kyle i got a
2: good one i'm gonna i'm gonna jump in all right so ennis so you're a kind of guy that people are like you're a piece of shit, and then in person, like, hey, who, what radio person in Philly do you think people really like, but they should be calling a piece of shit?
1: Well, that's an easy, Oh, I, I the thing is, from what I'm reading, I don't know who people really like anymore. Now, maybe social media is not the best gauge, because that's where the angriest people are, and and that's kind of where I made my mistake, is believing too much of what I read on Twitter, which is, why, honest to God, I don't even read Twitter all that much. I don't have it on my phone. I just think it's kind of toxic. But um, let's see. I always thought Gargano was a piece of shit, and he is a piece of shit. And um, well, I guess because I replaced him, like all these, you know, meathead, blowhard, South Philly people that buy his kush stick didn't like me and thought it was my fault the guy got fired. But they didn't know that he's the reason that, that uh, Glenn Macnow got run off. That was him. Uh, I think he handpicked Ellis to be his guy so he could beat the shit out of him. Notice that John Marks left their morning show to go do a show uh, to do nights, I guess, at WIP. So the cuz, to me, was always really fucking fake. But I don't know how many people actually liked him. On the flip side, though, like there were guys, like I thought Glenn Macnow was one of the nicest people. He was very nice. uh, Never had an issue with him. Uh, Jody Mack is one of the nicest people you'll ever meet. And I never had a problem with him. Uh, cause they were genuine. They were who they are. But, uh, Gargano was really, and I think Ellis to a degree is a schmuck, but he's just more of a dope, I guess, than a, sh- than a bad person. But I think Gargano was really just kind of a disingenuous phony, just kind of bad person. I always viewed him that way. At least
0: what? What do you make of the situation with uh, with Maureen Williams? I, I don't know. I'm, I'm assuming you've seen what's happened, where she got yeah. let go and he yeah. took the next four days off. I'd be interested to get your thoughts.
1: Like what a, what a dipshit. I mean, listen, we know you brought your, I don't know, whatever you want to call her over there with you, a person that had never been on the radio before, a person who had an office job at a radio station that just magically gets a job, Uh, doing updates on a morning show in a very large market on a sports station. Um, So poor Cuz takes four days off. I don't know if he has to deal with – I don't know what issue he has to deal with there for four days. But he's lucky it's not him that's going to be gone from there. And eventually – and I talk about this. I was telling you guys I have a podcast, and it's on uh, com and iTunes and Google Play. And the podcast really centers around Philly stuff because I did that for the people that used to listen. And one of the things we talked about is that, um, at least in the most recent one, is that 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 station's been blowing people out and cutting costs for a while. And now they're no longer owned by uh, a greater media. They're owned by Beasley, the cheapest company there is. And I predict that sooner rather than later, now this may not be next month or next year even, but sooner rather than later, that radio station is going to flip formats. And I think what will really be the big move is when Missanelli decides to retire and get out of it, they don't have a cash cow like that anymore. They don't have someone that's a draw anymore. And at that point, Beasley, who's probably looking at the bottom line right now going, holy shit, we, we probably got, I don't know, hundred grand in, in, in cost and talent, if not more. Cause I think Missanelli makes a pretty good amount, probably 400,000 base, give or take, So, I mean, he makes a lot. Morning Show combined probably made a decent amount. And the Midday Show, probably each of them make probably 60, 70, if not more. I don't know if they're union. That would impact that. But uh, I don't think they are. But they still make a decent amount. There's a lot of money invested in the station. Beasley's going to look at this and go, all right, so our ad revenue isn't that great. Because what I still understand is they're kind of a dollar a holler radio station that Um, that they don't have giant rates. I mean, WIP still has better rates than they do or higher rates. They make more money off of ad revenue. Uh, And I think Beasley's eventually going to look at that and go, why are we paying so many people so much for a station that doesn't generate that much revenue for us? And then they'll eventually flip it to something that's much cheaper to operate some sort of music station. They don't have to pay air talent, and if they do, it won't be that much. And they'll be able to, to start making a profit off of it. So that's just one of the signs of it, and that they let this chick go. Uh, you know, that Mark's left. Uh, I know they blew out a lot of their af- their uh, weekend part-time people. Uh, I, uh, well, that was while I was still there. So there's certainly a cost-cutting, you know, model there. And I think eventually they're going to flip formats. Maureen, whatever, she's a waste of time. She what do you, have you have think in country anyway. music?
2: You think they're going to go country could music
1: at Philly? Could be. You never know. Uh, it could be country. It could be uh another rock station that could i mean because there is no rock station that competes with mmr so they could do that, that it uh, sounds like they still, still have like it sounds like you still have a ton of
2: connections in philly like are you still talking to people all the time about the inner workings of these radio stations
1: well it depends on the definition of the inner workings i mean i have friends that are still there i mean i talked to, to like andy bloom i talk to a lot i talked to um I talked to Sludge, who is one of the people that got fucked over there pretty good. Um, I, and that's not his words, that's mine, but, I mean, it's pretty obvious. Um, I still talk to some of the people in promotions there. I talk to some salespeople there. They, I don't talk to people who are giving me great, like, info. I mean, I, I, know that, like, I know the vibes of some of these places, but really what it is is that's just common sense, really, from a business standpoint. I know that Beasley is a cheap company. I know that there's way too much cost in that radio station for the revenue that it generates, which I don't have the exact number of the revenue it generates, but from everything I've been told is the ad rates are considerably lower than WIP. So even if your ratings are good, if you're not making money off of it, what does it matter?
0: I don't know. I don't know exactly how it breaks down between the <clears throat> uh, the Philly area stations. But Beasley's Stock, after – because I, I checked. The, I didn't realize they were a public company. Their stock is at an all-time high. Like the stock market loved – I mean, they're they're a relatively small company. But it actually loved what they did. And their recent earnings, their revenue was, was obviously an all-time high because they picked up 21 stations. So, um, I, I don't know what the breakdown is. But there was an interesting line in there that they had a 6% – uh, like one of the the weights on their uh, on their on their bottom line was actually the Philly market. It didn't break down which station was which, but it's sort of like there's kind of two sides of the coin. They they have really good revenue, and the additions everyone seemed to love, and they've talked about doubling down on local uh, local brand markets. But at the same time, it looks like the, to your point, the Philly market was. Uh, you know the costs uh, weren't quite there with the. Well, there's, there's the a
1: lot of costs. I mean, I, I, I guess MMR is also owned by Beasley then, and MMR yep. has a very expensive. I think both guys on that morning show probably make 750 a year. I mean, who knows? I mean, they make a ton on the MMR morning show, um, but I think the other companies in there—do they have? Um, is Ben FM one of theirs? I, uh, I, I think honestly the, I don't think know. Beasley now owns Ben F- Like, and I say that because. That's a really well, that's a station that rates well, and it doesn't have any air talent, really. So it's cheap. What they're going to eventually do, is we have all this stuff wrapped up in our radio station that doesn't make revenue. Here in Houston, there was a top 40 station that had some decent cost in it, but it wasn't making you know as much money as they wanted because it wasn't getting revenue. It wasn't making uh, money from sales because of the ratings because it was a top 40. So they switched it recently to, like, an adult hits, which is, you know, a lot of 80s-leaning shit, Rick Springfield, that type of shit. And that radio station, the last two months since they flipped it, has it has gone, I think, number one in their demo, and it did not have any cost. So you can sell that. They don't have any jocks. Maybe they will at some point, but they have no jocks on there. So it doesn't cost you any money. And that's what a lot of these are going to do. Like, They're not going to beat IP with 97.5 for the most part. And IP is still a big enough respectable brand that people are going to buy that more than likely over the Fanatic as well. Notice, and and this is kind of inside baseball, but a lot of um, the sales part of of Fanatic is it's an add-on station. So let's say you buy, uh, you spend money on MMR. They say, listen, to help just sweeten the pot then we'll put you on uh we'll run some of your spots on 975 to help, you know, make the buy more valuable to you. But I don't know how much money on its own that radio station generates.
0: So you got a podcast coming up then, so you're um like you, I I'm I'm trying to get a, a handle on you because y- you seem like someone who is so ingrained in the radio business. Um but uh, I've, I've always felt your tone would be better served on a podcast because you could be a little bit more yourself. So talk about what you' what you have coming up and are you really gearing it solely towards Philly or are you trying to for more of a national thing and using Philly and Houston and your you know your quote unquote local markets as a jumping off point
1: Well that would be the smarter thing is to make it a little bit more inclusive and, and do more Houston stuff. but with the way I set it up is, is I I talk a lot about the Philly stuff for that audience that I don't talk about here on my radio show. Now maybe I'll broaden it a little bit. And and as of right now, I mean, sometimes I do it once a week. Sometimes I do it twice, usually only about 30 or 40 minutes anyhow. But like I did one last night and I talked about the stuff with Gargano. I talked about, you know, a lot of it's kind of radio shit. A lot of it's kind of like, I'll talk about Philly sports to a degree. Um, I don't do it live yet. I was doing it on Facebook Live and just recording it, but I'm doing it just as a solely recorded thing as of right now. But, uh, you know, I, it's a lot of Philly. Like when I tell you that it's a Philly-related podcast, basically everything we've just talked about, I talked about on that podcast that I posted yesterday. And those are at my website, joshennesshow.com. And and you can be, subscribe on iTunes and Google Play. and I think it's on TuneIn uh, as well. But, uh, yeah, it, it's mostly just Philly – uh, related stuff, the kind of shit that if I were on a sports station, they'd get mad at me for talking about But this is a podcast and I can say whatever the fuck I want. That's basically what I do. We just sit on my couch and just shoot the shit about stuff.
0: That's, that's what I mean. Like your, your tone's always been, to me, it's always felt more natural for that format. Uh, what's, what's your level of production value? Cause I, I think a while back you would ask me like what mic or host or something we used. Um, Like, are you actually going for production value and and considering trying to sell some ads on it?
1: As of right now, I don't really have much production value. I mean, I've got a studio that I've set up. I'm still working on. I need to get one of the station engineers in to kind of work on. There's a little tiny sound on it that I can hear and no one else notices, but I notice it and it annoys me. So I'm working on that. Um, It's also hard, as you know, because in a podcast that.
2: That's how I've always heard your style style described to me is like you hear something and it annoys the crap out of you and then you go with that. And uh, I'm curious, man. So like you came to Philly and it was like a ball of fire. Like I was, I was living in New York at the time. And I remember my dad called me and be like, yo, there's some dude on the radio talking about like Nerland's penis. And then like my friends would hit me up and be like, yo, there's this stuff like radio wars. And I would check out, like crossing broad and all that. I'd read all these things. And I'm curious, like what, like, so you came in like a ball of fire. Like if you could really be self-evaluating and do like good analysis and figure out kind of, it came in so hard and then it went out so fast. Why do you think that was like, and if you could kind of focus on from your perspective, what do you think happened?
1: Uh, I think the the worst uh, there were a couple of things that happened and 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 it, it all ultimately goes back to me because I'm the the one that's the face of it. So if you look for blame, I guess it goes to me. But um, things went really well for a year, as you noted. Uh, and actually, the first six months, again, we were number one, me and Tony, and uh, that's just moving to the afternoons. and um and then Tony left, and then that caused like the first issue where people were like, this guy ran off this legend, which in my opinion wasn't true. The guy just didn't want to do terrestrial radio. And right. maybe it was because then, I kinda led the show and he didn't or whatever. But he from and from I don't have bad blood paradigm. or anything. Yeah.
2: From the outside perspective, well, and, that's and, what they And, and that's not my
1: fault. And that part of it is not my fault. I mean, like, sure. I, I know what happened. I mean, I went so to then, work one day. You, Tony wasn't so, there anymore.
2: Sure. So I think what's interesting is like, so Russell is kind of the opposite of me. So Russell's someone that, that wants to kind of change like all of radio. And I'm someone that kind of believes like some of the traditional media still works. We've had a guy like Eskin who used to like insult women all the time and say, get in the kitchen. We have Gargano who's everybody's boy. We have Cataldi who's an outsider and tries to be like your crazy uncle. And then you kind of came in and were like the agitator. And I'm curious, like, what style do you think Philly really needs? Like, if you were to look at all the styles, which one do you think resonates in Philly the most?
1: Well, I mean, the one that resonates truly the most right there is Phil Angelo. But, I mean, if you're telling me what I think it should be, what I think it should be is not what a lot of them are doing. Now, even Angelo, who I think is very good and very successful, like like he's kind of the barometer that people use in sports, and I didn't try to do everything like he did either. But like you, like I was. One of the things I mocked on the podcast last night, and and Deadspin even mocked it um, uh, yesterday as well, is like ninety seven five asking if if uh, uh, Harper's a Philly guy. Like that's the dumbest shit ever. Like who listens to that? Who says, boy, this is compelling? Do we really want one of the best young players in the game? Well, we're four and fucking nine, and we suck, and we got very few guys on the roster that are going to be any good down the road, and we're asking if a guy should come here. Because he's not a Philly fucking guy. Like, that has to go. Like, that part of it is. Like, this kind of uh, super caller-driven, ask a shitty question to get people just to call to carry you through the show. Like, that that part sucks. Um, and that has, that has that, that's something that should be adjusted. Like, to your initial question, which is why things fizzled out, and I think part of why it fizzled out is because there is something to embracing... Uh, parts of what makes something successful and like I was so annoyed by so much of the bullshit there like with the the stupid topics and all that that I let it bother me so much that it was so bad that I let that carry over into what I did and then the show would just become about how bad I thought everything else was and then it made me come across as someone who either hated Philly or hated whatever and I think that was a huge part of why you know it kind of went down But if you think about it, when you say it came in real hot and then it kind of fizzled out, for a year, from February to to December, yeah, I had the number one show in the market, two different uh, quarters, and I was number two in the other one, and that was with three different shows. So it it worked, but then they fired my boss, and I truly, and this is on my end, I lost interest in it because I didn't want to work for the people that were there because I didn't believe they would have my back on anything. So I really lost interest in, in the show to a degree, and that 's why that went bad in that way, because I never really wanted to work for spike I didn 't come there to work for Spike. They had suspended me at one point, and I just i wasn't feeling it anymore and and a lot of other things played out, like the baseball team was horrible yet there were twenty four day baseball games that really shit you know made the ratings worse, and that's all fine, but just from the, my standpoint, I kind of lost interest in it once my boss uh was not fired, he was let go it was a cost cutting thing but once they let him go, I didn't really want to be there anymore because at the time my reason for being there was him, and I had a loyalty to him, and I, I felt like I lost my ally there. And and it's
3: Josh, just, how, it, is, it that, how is that? How is that any sense. different than than Gargano and MCW? I mean, you had you had a, a fan in me and a fan in a lot of people who enjoyed the agitator angle, who enjoyed yeah. having the the market disrupted in a top market in the nation. Um, that people would, you know, absolutely kill for. I mean, the, the idea of getting disinterested with your job is one that like, yeah, that, that happens in life, but do you regret the way that it ended? Do you, do you look back on it and say, yeah, I let, I let bloom getting fired, get to me too much. And maybe I should have, you know, put more effort into the, the end there. I mean, you Here's you- the thing. It
1: wasn't a lack, but there wasn't a lack of effort. Like, I-, I guess I should reword that it's like, um, after bloom was let go and that was in December, like that day I called my agent and I said, cause let me actually rewind my part. And this is why I think I'm better mentally. Now I was kind of in a shitty place mentally the entire time I was there because it was a different type of people than I was used to. And I let Twitter and social media fuck with me. And I'll be honest with you. It fucked with me to the point turned on everybody in the town because in my mind I said, yeah, all these fucking people hate me, so fuck them. So I built up this sort of grudge against everybody that made it seem like I was against everyone. But it really fucked with me. Not so much like people saying I suck. I can live with that. But it was just the constant... You're not from here, or go fuck yourself, or you got Gargano fired, or Bruno fucking hates you. Like it all got to me, and I would sit around all fucking day and just tweet these people, and it really got to me. So then the only guy that really was good at, at kind of leveling me out on that shit was Bloom, and we were doing really well. I mean, we were number one. When he got let go, we had the number one show in town, like at 25 2554. It was uh, amazing. But what when I say that I lost interest? I guess I, I should say it this way. I never stopped caring about the job itself, and I understood that it was a good job to have. But in my mind, I said, I have a year left on my deal. I don't want to stay here So because my boss isn't here. I don't want to work for these people. I'd rather go back somewhere closer to home because I, I – I, in my mind, I said, I don't want to just – why go through all this shit here? instead of just going somewhere else, I know I'm not going to be here in a year. And I I think at some point in the middle of the the summer, that would have been the summer of 16, I guess, they asked me if I wanted to, like, they said, listen, if you come in right now, we'll make changes to the show, whatever you want. Uh, But, like, you need to tell us that you're going to stay here. And I said, well, I don't know because I still have six months left on my deal and I don't know where life's going to take me and I don't know if I want to work for you as a person, so... And then two months later or so is when they fired me, which, you know, fine. I, I get it. They fired me. But to the initial thing, which was do I regret, as I sit here today and I'm, and I'm in Houston and I, and I enjoy the show I'm doing now more than I did when I was in Philly. Um, I enjoy the people I work for a lot. They just kind of let me do what I want to do. The regret comes in the form that in Philadelphia, Boston, New York, you've got built-in sports radio audience, credibility and people listen there more, and there's radio war stories, and people care more about all that shit there, that part of it that had kind of bogged me down for a while is kind of the part of it I miss, which I guess is kind of hypocritical on my part, but I, the part I miss is that what we were doing did matter, where Kyle writes a story, or the paper writes a story, or people honk at you while you're driving down the road and tell you to go fuck yourself, or you know, you're looking at fucking 10 shares, and you're number one, and like, that kind of shit was the cool part of it. I didn't handle the online part of it and the fighting with people part of it well enough where it really fucked me up mentally to where it just frustrated me and made me turn on people.
3: You do know, you what that so that, I do you find what, that do you find that that really the the visceral reaction from fans happened more when you went to afternoons versus when you were doing the night uh, show? I mean, and do you and do and I old. just the the follow up to that is you know I, I always wondered if, if you had eyes for doing the morning show after Angelo retired, do you think that the scrutiny that you faced would have changed had you done a morning show? I mean, that's, you know, the, the listener no, so base is different. Boy, Does it change anything?
1: So here's the thing. The scrutiny's going to be there no matter what. I, I get people that shit on me here. The difference is when I was there, I, I didn't focus on the positive because I was in such a bad place. Like like I'm making it sound like everyone on social media and everybody hated me. What happened was I got so into retweeting it and getting just deep and arguing with these people who didn't like me that I ignored the people who did. So like the idea that people like everyone hated me, it seemed like that because that's how I built it up, which is still part of what I do. It's good to have people that dislike you because it makes it more interesting, but I didn't focus enough on the positivity in that setting. So I think that's where more of the, the negative impact came from. I mean, at night, I got a bunch of negative uh, stuff. Uh, people that sent letters to the boss wanted to be fired. Same thing in the afternoon. If I would have done mornings, it would have been the same way. But if I would have focused more on more of the positive comments that people made, it would have put me probably in a better place mentally. And it would have led to the show probably being better and not, you know, towards the end, just all about me yelling at people like I, this may shock you, but. I don't like to just sit there and yell on the radio about why the Eagles quarterback sucks. Like, I don't like why to be do you mad do? all the time. And I, I well, here's the thing. I don't anymore. Like it, it was in such a bad place when I was there mentally that everything made me mad. And I yeah. felt like, like this burden. So were I you, would yell about it.
2: Were you single in Philly or did you have a relationship? I legitimately don't know that. answer. Oh,
1: no, no, no. no I, I had a girl. I've had the same girlfriend for about six years.
2: So, this is random. Uh, what does she think about all this shit going on? Because, like, if I was walking with a girl down the street and someone came up to me and said, go fuck yourself, she'd be like, what is going on? Like, has she, she like.
1: She, she's, worked in, she's
2: worked in radio her, her whole life. Oh, so she. So, can.
1: none of it. Yeah, no, she doesn't give a shit uh, about any of that stuff. So. All right, so this is not. Oh, really?
2: Oh, man, Gargano shit.
1: Um, no, all right. No, so no.
2: Russell, Russell has a game that we want to play, uh, and it involves marrying, but it's not your girlfriend. But Russell, yeah. Like so, a- uh, right.
3: so Josh, I I think this would be a a good question for you. Um, marry, kill, co-host are your options. Okay. You've got right. Anthony Gargano. You uh-huh. have Mike Mizzanelli. All right. And you have, uh, let's pick. Let's Let's make it. Let's make Spike. Spike. Spike Askin. Yeah, Spike.
1: Oh, well, that's interesting.
3: Um, Spike, Gargano, uh, Missinelli, would... Mary Kill co-host.
1: Okay, so let's see here. <laughs> I would probably co-host. You know what? I co-host with Missinelli because he's got a built-in audience anyway, and we would yell a lot, and I'm guessing people would enjoy that. I would boy, that the other part of it, though, the the so it's Kill or Mary, huh?
3: Can I just so, point well, out that that's the married. second quasi-compliment you've paid to Mike Mazzanelli in about 20 minutes?
1: Yeah, well, how about that, huh? Um, I, uh, I would say, I guess I would marry in this case. I would marry, well, given the fact that Gargano doesn't seem like that great of a husband, I wouldn't want to. So I would say I'd kill him because I think he's a really shitty human being. So I would go, I'd kill him because there's no sense in having him on, on planet Earth. I never liked him. Spike and I at least were friends at one point, and my guess is as he sits there and, and dawdles around with his stupid baseball or basketball analytics and podcasts and shit, I could go out and shop and things, and uh, we, he wouldn't bother me, I would imagine. So And his dad has money.
2: Yeah, apparently he wants to run for mayor. So uh, there's that. Again.
1: Ooh, uh, Howard? That's yeah. his Howard F. Stick F. every F. year. F. I, I like Howard. Uh, I like Howard, actually. And I saw him when he was here for the Super Bowl. And I'm sure I'll see him at the draft when I'm there uh, for the draft. And I have nothing against him personally. He was always nice to me. He's actually a nice person. I think he's a decent person. Uh, but I think his son's just done a really poor job. And I don't want to – let me flip the script on you guys
0: then. Wait, one sec. Before – I'll let you do that. I just want to ask you this one thing about Spike because I – a lot of people ask me, do you think he's doing a a shitty job? And I'm like, well, yeah, like their lineup sucks. I could question a lot of their decisions. But how much of of what's been done since he's taken over do you think is CBS? Because I've gotten the sense from a few people that uh, CBS in New York has a little bit of sway over what WIP has been doing, CBS Radio. Like how how much of this do you think is is fully I think, Spike's? Yeah. I think
1: that the
0: the afternoon the
1: afternoon guy's a corporate thing. I think, um, but I know that Spike is always like John Ritchie, and I don't. There's no corporate guy that's gonna say, "Hey, go take the night guy from 97 five and put him in a major gay part." I mean, so that's obviously his decision as well. I think what they've done is like they've taken the. You know, if you can't beat them, and in and, and a lot of their day parts, they've struggled against 97.5. So they've tried to replicate their really shitty approach to it. And it's just a shitty radio station. I mean, no offense to John Ritchie, who's a really nice guy, but he and Joe DeCamera. And I've, I've, honest to God, not listened to one second of it. But I don't need to, because I can tell you what it would sound like. And what it would sound like is probably pretty fucking boring. Uh, and John's a really nice guy. And Joe, I've never met, but... That's an example of a guy kind of like Rob being put in afternoons. Like, that's just a horrible job of miscasting somebody who's awful for that. And he he just shouldn't be doing that. He's not any good. That afternoon show, I've heard maybe 10 seconds of it, and I've seen some of the shit they tweet out. I imagine it's not all that good. Um, I mean, really, Missinelli and and Angelo must be the only people that have, I mean, obviously been doing it a while, so they have a built-in audience. And and, you know they're each good to some degree at what they do. Um, but like, I, 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 like, I don't think Gargano's worth a shit. I don't think Joe DiCamera's worth a shit. I don't think, you know, the 97.5 or like their midday show is one of the worst radio shows ever. Like they're the ones that got mocked yesterday for doing the, um, for doing the, hey, would did you think Bryce Harper's a Philly guy? Like, give me a fucking, like, that's my problem to, to kind of go back to an initial point here. My problem is like these radio people still kind of paint with this 1980s 90s brush like you know like they think they're talking to that guy in the in that you know the the Cowboys video the the Eagles Cowboys history video the guy that's like we hate you Dallas we like they think they're talking to that guy but they they, they haven't evolved they haven't Well done-
0: it's int- it's interesting it's interesting because neither of those guys actually bought into that line. I thought they—they they actually had me on their show after yesterday afternoon after they saw the post to kind of clear it up. And they were like, "Well, look, you know, we're not—we um, don't actually think this." And my argument is the same as yours. It's like, yes, but you like you make you stir this pot, and there is some subset of really idiotic, small-minded fans who buy into this shit, and it, it sort of breeds that same that same mentality um but i'm with you like i think that they i think that a lot of hosts currently on radio the less inventive ones think they are talking to the classic blue collar eagles fan and that represents i would say at this point a, a minority of the fan base like you look at people who are under the ages of 40 and this sentiment and their socioeconomic status and where they live and what they do it, it's completely different and and uh, would you say paint by, paint by number? I think well, that's like, a good here's way the thing. it. If you
1: don't believe what you're doing, then why do it? You know, like I, we all do stuff for effect and for show, like, you know, like you'll do something to try to get the phones going because it's slow in fucking June and there's nothing going on. Like, that's fine, but don't just because you got called out for being dipshits for a horrible radio topic, don't then go and spin it like, well, we don't really believe it. Well, it's your show. It's your name. If you don't believe it, then don't do it. You know, it, it, it doesn't make sense for me. Like, if you're going to tell me you don't believe it, then why should I believe anything that that comes out of your mouth? I mean, like, I remember Ike one time, like, he, his whole shtick was that Nick Foles is great, right? That was his whole thing. And then we find out that Nick Foles sucks, and I remember listening one day, and he's just like, man, I just made that up for radio, just for radio anyway. He said this on the air. I'm paraphrasing, but it was something very similar, and I'm like, then why would I believe anything from you if I know you're just making shit up? The right- like you're gonna
0: people- get in a fight on. I saw. I just saw it. Like you're gonna get in a fight on the parkway. Or something. Did, I
1: don't think he ever liked me anyway. He like I know. Like there's this idea. I was reading this Billy Voice story that they click. They use me for clickbait. Like really, one of the worst clickbait stories I've ever seen the other day, which was
3: that's a very Donald W-Y- Trump I- phrasing there. By the way,
1: it, it was click. But, uh, but this is true though. This one is clickbaity, and it's clickbaity because uh, the headline reads "Fired WIP Host Josh Ennis Returning to Philly." That was the headline. That was the headline, and I'm like, "Oh wow, yeah." Or, or, or it could be in, like implied that they want people to click because maybe I'm coming back for a job or something like that. It's just it was clickbaity. Then you read the story, and there's nothing to the story. It's just a bunch of redirects to their old stories about how I'm a piece of shit. One of them was, you know, well, the people at the radio station didn't like him. If you'll recall, like a handful of people don't like you, but I bet a handful of people don't like most fucking people that work somewhere. It's just, but that was their whole angle. And the story was comical. It was just a screen grab of one of my tweets that I was coming to town to for my job to go to the draft. And it was, well, here he comes. He's back. And it just, it was so clickbaity that it was funny. Like I have a website now. And, and so one of the big things that iHeartMedia media is they want web hits, you know, for blogs and stuff. So basically my website is some unique stuff like my podcast and videos and stuff, but then there's also an RSS feed that just links back to my, uh, Josh, so to my blog at seven nineties website. And like, I get it that you have to attract people to click on something by a catchy headline. I respect that. I get it. But like that one, literally had no substance. It was it was nothing, and it was super duper clickbaity.
2: We're at an interesting time where you could honestly, like you're kind of doing right now, do a show in Houston about Philly because you could watch every game if you really wanted to. You have access to all the stories that are going on. <coughs> Excuse me, but you know you're not here. You're not in Philly right now, so I'm curious. Is Philly still in the back of your mind? Something that you're always going to be paying attention to, and could possibly want to get back into? Because for me, you sound like a jilted lover. Like you sound like someone that their heart is still in Philly.
1: Well, I don't think jilt like jilted lover is not fair. But I mean, I, I was there eight months ago, and um, I, I, people have accused me of the jilted lover thing but I mean, I follow these stations on Twitter and I don't look at Twitter myself because it's not on my phone. But like yesterday, my girlfriend sends me a screenshot of that, that 97, thing. She texted it to me and I said, well, shit, I'm going to have to go off on this. This is just how it is. I, I don't view myself as a jilted lover at all because I'm happy doing what I'm doing. Um, I just hate that there are people that are doing shit that I think is terrible that are still employed and, and you know, they're doing it now. You say this Philly still in the back of my mind. Well, I watched the Flyers because I'm legitimately a fan of the Flyers, and I flew up to Detroit in December or January. I forgot when I did it, but I flew to Detroit for a weekend just to go watch the Flyers play the uh, the, the Red Wings at the show. Uh, I go to hockey bars to watch the Flyers. I bitch about the Flyers on my podcast. Uh, I'm a St. Louis Cardinals fan, so I'm not going to pretend like I'm some diehard Phillies fan, but I have nothing against them. Uh, the Eagles, I mean, I follow what they do because I know that I have an audience of people that I'm still trying to get to come to my website that are in Philly. So I focus on those kind of stories too, so I can get some web traffic from Philly. But I, I, I mean, could I do a show in Philly? I mean, would I want to? Yeah, I mean, I, I, would, I mean, if it was the right thing, I mean, I'm happy
3: doing what I'm doing here. I've got good. So what is the, Josh, what do. is the right thing? I think
0: he means, would you do, would you come back here and do a morning show? A, well like if Gargano
3: left well he just said he would so but in the right the right circumstances so what is that
1: well no i i w- listen I, i'm happy doing what i'm doing and i enjoy living here and i enjoy building the show i'm building and i i like the company i work for i like the bosses i work for they've made a um, you know they've really made me feel welcome h- here and and who knows i'm trying to get my show on here in a couple of other markets in the state you know so I think I've got an opportunity to do that with the company I'm with. So from that regard, like I, I I prefer to work for this company. But if the question in general is, hey, would you like to work in Philly at some point? Or are you writing off ever working in Philly? I have a large part of me that still really like looks back on it now fondly. Like I'll watch games on TV and I'll see like a skyline thing. I'll be like, hey, you know, there's there's Philly. I mean, I or, you know, we used to, I like Philadelphia. I, I mean, I get accused here just like I did there. Like, while I was there, it was, why don't you go back to Houston? Here, it's, why don't you go back to fucking Philadelphia? Like, it just it's weird that people literally call up the show and tell me to go back to fucking Philly and go root for the fucking Eagles and shit. And I'm like, if you people only knew the shit that people in Philly told me about coming back here. Uh, but if the, if the question is, like, like, am I actively seeking to work in Philadelphia? And is it an ultimate goal of mine to get back to Philadelphia? No. I mean, I don't know what the ultimate end game in my life is. I mean, I'm, I'm 30. I have a good job here. Um, I enjoy it, and I'd like to build this show in, into something that's on in multiple markets. I mean, if anything, I'd say my goal in life would one day to be in L.A. just to say I did it. I mean, that's a goal of mine, but it always has been. But, no, it's not a goal of mine to get back to Philly, but to answer the question of whether or not Philly is still in the back of my mind, absolutely. I and mean, I talk something that relates to Philadelphia every day, whether it's an anecdote, whether it's a reference to something that happened uh, on the air I mean, hell, I, I got a text and I got a call from Tank today. He's like, big dog, let's go drink when you get to Philly for the draft. I mean, so I talked to people who were in Philly every day. So, yeah, I mean, but it was the same thing when I was in Philly with Houston. I, I had a bunch of friends here that I would talk to every day, or friends in Baton Rouge. So, I mean, so it's, it's no different than it was when I was there.
0: You said you were going to turn it around on us. What were you going to ask? Uh,
1: no, no, like, I'll put it this way, though. I embrace Philly more now that I'm not there because I'm not encountering the constant barrage of negativity. And I'll tell you why I'm not. And I, I alluded to it earlier, and people can judge me for it if they want to. But I knew that not the you suck stuff, again, I could handle that, but just the constant feeling that I had to respond to all of these people on Twitter um, made me just like just angry and miserable all the time. And I'll tell you when like I got into a much better mood actually was, um, About two months ago, maybe two, two and a half months ago, I was riding around with uh, my girlfriend and my dog and it was a Saturday afternoon and I was on my fucking phone on Twitter for about two and a half hours in the car on Saturday, arguing with some jamoke here in Houston about why I suck. And my girlfriend just kind of goes, why are you wasting your life with all of this shit? You're ruining the day. You're ignoring all of us. (laughs) probably you know what you're probably something. so what I, did is I took twitter off of my phone um she doesn't like my girlfriend doesn't control my twitter or anything like if i want to tweet something i just say hey give me your phone and i'll tweet out like hey did you see this play or whatever but i knew that i needed to get away from it because i'm a believer that social media stuff if yeah, and maybe maybe my life is so charmed. I I don't know that I have no other worries in life but to bitch at people at Twitter, I don't know. But, like, all I did all day was sit there and bitch at people on Twitter, and it impacted the show negatively. I think it impacted the show poorly in Philly, and it was starting to do that here. So I just said to myself, I need to kind of turn off of this and focus just on just kind of sitting around at night not looking at social media. And for the last two and a half months, I think I've been in a better place mentally. I think the show I do is fun. I work with people that I want to work with, uh, and and we have fun. So big picture, once I started doing less and less social media, I started to become a happier person. And that's what they told me to do in Philly. Bloom used to tell me that. Like, if you get off of this shit, things will be, you know, happier. But like Kyle can attest, I feel the need to correct everything that I think is wrong when in reality – you just have to acknowledge that people are going to put shit that's either their opinion or something that you know is factually wrong, but they're never going to change their opinion on it anyway. Like, you're not going to convince people, so just shut the fuck up and go about your life and enjoy it, which I'm starting to do more of now. That was therapeutic. Hey, you know what? This is why I'm here. It also doesn't it doesn't hurt that like people don't care about ratings or anything here. Like, I work at a radio station where... Like WIP, and I learned a lot from that experience, and I would enjoy going back to that situation again. Like a, a situation where ratings matter, and there was
0: you don't of, have dickhead bloggers following it.
1: Uh, no, there's a couple of sh- there's a shitty newspaper guy who's just a putz, but there are no bloggers really that that, that monitor this stuff. And, and I'll be real with you, like, and in Philly, I mean, there was a stretch where you know we and our show and Mike, I mean, we made up you know like twenty percent of the listening audience in afternoons. Whereas here, you'll have five radio stations in sports for whatever reason. There's five. And you would take five of them. We might not combine for a six-share between them. Like, it's, I mean, this is not a, a, an overly passionate town. And it, 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 it's passionate, but, like, these meters that you and I have talked about before, the, the way they measure ratings in radio is, you know, you're talking about maybe 1,000 people control the ratings. And you're fighting for two or three of those people. And if two or three of those people for one of the stations is a black guy, for instance, that's going to weigh more. So if you're listening and there's a, a black listener that loves your show and listens for hours on end, you're going to shoot up because a, a black listener with one of these devices may c- count for ten white listeners. You and know, might might septuple it. Like I don't know. Like whenever you used to do the stuff about the uh, the streaming. Which, again, I never downplayed the importance of streaming. It was just that that streaming rating wasn't real. It was determined by one guy. And the one guy was, you know, like a 30-something-year-old black man that listened online all day. It was one guy. One guy made that up. And that's why my people that I work with here, their whole angle has been, listen, we know that sports is a niche audience anyway, and we know that we're on AM. We're 5,000 watts. It's not 100,000-watt FM like WIP was. And they know that ratings are going to be tough. Like, it, it's not easy. You know, I mean, all the sports stations struggle. So we focus on the revenue part of it and selling ourselves and, and, and you know, not being boggled or, you know, bogged down with reading about PPM stuff or reading about the ratings and just go have fun. Now, I am different than them in the sense that I still care about it. I care about the ratings part of it. I don't want to lose. But I also understand that it's a bigger climb here than it was in Philadelphia.
3: So, Josh, what are you, what are you going to say to the people that listen to this and hear you say that uh, what it what it sounds like it amounts to is the pressure of social media, the constant bombardment and all the extra increased focus that you had in such a large market got to you and it resulted in you going to a smaller market on an AM station that you just couldn't hang? What do you say to those? Well, that's
1: people? all that's all. That's all false, though. Like, it, let me clarify all of this. One, Houston is actually a larger radio market than Philadelphia, and uh, it's just a different type of personality of people. It's not as an it's not as an important of a sports market, but it is a uh, but it's a larger market. That's number one. Uh, but number two is like I didn't leave town because of social media. I left town because my boss got fired, and eventually I just got bogged down by that part of it. And I decided like that day when he like the, like the same thing happened the first time I was here, my, my boss decided to take a job in Dallas, like two weeks before that they had offered me a contract. I was in December of 2012. I was in Boston for a football game and my agent called me and he said, Josh, they want to offer you three years. The first year, like a hundred, the second year, 110, third year, 115, something like that. Right. And I said, sure, we'll do it. I like working here. I like my boss. Two weeks later, my boss comes in and says, I'm taking a bigger job in Dallas. To which I said, like, instantly, I knew I don't want to be here anymore because there's a loyalty that I feel to some of these people that brought me in. Um, and I never signed that contract. And eventually I, I was, uh, I, I was allowed to go to Philadelphia at the end of that year. Same thing happened. Like, I still get shit on from social media here all the time. It's just when I was there, it was a combination of, all these things kind of just there, like the the blog or the the newspaper, and there was a big pressure at WIP to make sure you had these radios, which we did, by the way, for a year. But once my boss was let go, I stopped liking the people I worked for because I thought that they were completely disingenuous in the way they handled that with him. I thought it was bad. So I, at that point, knew that I didn't really need to to fight to be here anymore because I didn't want to be there. And that's when I had my boss start looking for other jobs out there to see what people were interested in me. And I had interest in, in a couple of other major markets. I chose this one. Uh, but it wasn't because like social media and pressure of Philadelphia. And I know that that's what Philly people get this hard on for, like that, like the fans, like the hardos, that the the, the fanatic tries to talk to with Bryce Harper type topics is people want to believe that. Yep. It was just, we were too tough for you to make it there. That's not true because there were, I would argue there were more people there that liked me that fit. the shtick at the time was, Hey, I'm going to fight with these people who dislike me and, and then eventually it just got to a point where it was tiresome. Like, you know what? I, I just, I don't enjoy this. I let, now if you want to say anything got to me, I don't believe it got to me. But I think what happened is I convinced myself that the people who liked me were lesser than the people who did. And then it let it led me to saying, fuck this place. I don't want to be here. That's not saying that it was too tough for me. It was saying that I led myself to believe because I was in such a negative place after my boss got let go that I said, you know what? Um, these people hate me, so fuck them. Why would I want to be here for them? But in reality, there were tons of people. I see it every day. I get so many tweets from people now that are like, bro, I didn't like you when you were in Philly, but fuck, this is terrible. Or I loved you when you were in Philly. And there are still the people who also you know, tweet me and you know, say, go fuck yourself. But like, my point is, I didn't leave because social media or the city was too tough. I've worked in now two major markets. I've been successful in two major markets. Um, I've done network radio. I've filled in on the Jim Rome show nine times when he was on premier networks. I mean, I've done a lot of stuff in my life. I was doing baseball play by play when I was 14 and hockey when I was 15. Like, I, that doesn't bother me. It's radio. I mean, I've done it my whole life. I just got to a point where I said, why deal with all this shit if I don't really want to? And that's more of what it was after my, my boss, after Andy was let go.
0: All right, so uh, pl- tell, those, uh, tell the Philly people one last time where they can find your podcast and your website before we let you go. Uh,
1: the, the website is joshennisshow.com, and the podcast is there. It's called Live from Josh's Couch, uh, but it's also on iTunes. You can subscribe. It's uh, on Google Play. It's on TuneIn. Uh, and that's, and you know, I do it maybe once or twice a week. I, I don't go for like two hours, generally speaking. I, it's, you know, 45 minutes to an hour, maybe. Uh, we've already got a decent number of people that download And I think each episode is getting somewhere. I mean, look, granted, this isn't a ton, but I've also done no promotion for it outside of my own Twitter and, and stuff like that. But, you know, it'll get eight, nine hundred downloads per episode, it's hot bean, which is, you know, nice. Um, but I haven't promoted it. That's you know that's why I'm talking to you and you know other people just to try to get the word out. Uh, but that's where you find it: JoshInAShow dot or uh, iTunes Live from Josh's Couch is the name of it. And uh, again, it's mostly just Philly stuff and shooting the shit. And it's basically me talking Philly stuff, but in a much better state of mind, I guess, uh, than I was in at the time. So it's good.
0: Um, cool. You're coming up for the draft, right?
1: Uh, yeah, I'll be there on that Wednesday night, and I'll leave on Saturday afternoon, I think.
0: The uh, the Philly Voice article would lead you to believe you're going to throw down with at least uh, at least a handful of people from both stations.
1: Yeah, no, I don't know if who's going to be broadcasting from there or not. So, I mean, it very well. Like when I did Radio Row here for the Super Bowl, it was the first time I saw the people I used to work with at um, my old station here. And I sent my guy over with a microphone to try to talk to him on the air, and they all wanted to fight him. Uh, but I don't think that'll happen at the at the Radio Row in, in Philadelphia. I don't even know if WIP or anybody's going to be on that Radio Row anyhow. Or if Missinelli is going to be there at that Radio Row anyhow. I
0: yeah, they actually got a Primo. They put out a like a map today. They got the local stations got a Primo spot um, like up by the front. Like I don't think it's the actual Radio Row. I think they're pushed all the way up towards I don't know, like the the special Philly area right by the right by the Oval. I think. How about
1: that? Well, there you go. Good for them then. Maybe I won't, maybe go. I will not encounter them, there you and go. Then there won't be fireworks. Now, if you'd like, I can stage some fireworks in some way so you guys can write a story. I can do that.
3: Do, Are I'll, you going to deliver some black roses to Mike Desenelli? Hey, that was a good in, in person. That was a good no, no, mix. no. Do it, do it, in person. Like I'm thinking the the old uh, DX visits WCW Monday Nitro uh, from back in the '90s. You know, you show up uh, with your your Houston garb on and take some, some black, uh, black roses. Well, be great. What, if, what if I went on a show and we said, Hey,
1: listen, bygones be bygones. And I'm, I'm glad. And I don't know if he's still beating them. I don't know. I don't see ratings anymore, but I would imagine he's still beating the app. Uh, he's
0: destroying. I'm he's pretty destroying sure we
1: could run a live show, stream yeah.
3: of a bathroom and it would still have better ratings. Than, uh... Yeah.
1: So well, let me ask you guys this. Then why do you, why do you guys think WIP isn't doing
0: well? I mean, I'll go first. I, I, th- I mean, look, the, the, the afternoon show. I, I've never understood Ike Reese. You were at least around him. Uh, he doesn't like me either because I continuously take shots at him. But I don't. I just don't get Ike Reese. I could. I understood when he was Howard's sidekick and they would talk Eagles, and that was a, that was the strength for him. But when he's got to be an all sports guy and you bring in someone like Chris Carlin, like I, I've never, I never bought into the outsider critique of you. I, I always thought that was unfair. Angelo's not from here. Glenn's not from here. A lot of very successful guys who are current Michael Barkan, you know, I is not from here, but Carlin comes in and immediately starts taking these outrageously hot takes. Um, I forget what he did. Like he's, he's a guy who called Derek Jeter a fraud while he was on his retirement tour in New York, in the middle of Manhattan, calling Derek Jeter a fraud. Like that's the sort of mentality you're dealing with. He said, he said something a couple of weeks ago. I can't remember what it is, but just like the lamest, hottest sports talk radio take, um, he is not going to work, and him and Ike are just brutal together. I haven't listened to the Richie and the Camera show. I always thought the Camera was a good night guy because he could just talk and he knew his stuff and he knew his stats and figures, sort of like a Nick Kale type. But I don't get, I don't get the lineup at all. When Angelo's done, I just can't imagine what they're going to actually do in the morning. Um, there's, there's no one who's obviously a- which is
3: why Josh, I don't, I don't agree with. Sorry, uh, Josh, that's why I don't agree with your idea of. Of Beasley folding the fanatic, because for how poor their lineup is right now, as soon as Angelo's done, that has to be the moment to try to seize the uh, seize the market. Now maybe you're right the, that, in, that is, in, a, though, in a couple I, of years I, I, it changes, but
1: well, sure, I don't think it's going to happen tomorrow. But um, you know, they could have been seizing the moment for a while, or seizing the market for a while. But like once Missinelli goes, so you can go seize the morning if you want, which is still not going to be easy. But then you have a big hole in the afternoon when Missinelli's gone. So, And then you're also, they're going to try to seize the morning by not paying anybody. Because once Missinelli goes, he's grandfathered in. Next person ain't getting anything. They ain't paying anybody a damn thing there. So it would make more sense, at least to me, for them at this point to do something that's cheaper and would have a better chance of getting higher overall ratings than just beating sports stations. And, uh, and, and it would cost you nothing. I mean you can make it a jukebox and sell it and there's no cost, everything's profit. Right now they, they they already have to make a million a million just to cover their nut at this point. And I didn't even include the program director and the APD and all that too that they still have to pay.
0: Part of the problem, I feel like, is that the current batch of young radio people grew up wanting to be radio people. Grew up in the late nineties and early two thousands when when sport when when cable sports and Sports Talk Radio and ESPN and the Jim Roams of the world and the Mike and Mikes and, I mean, name whoever you want, Mike Missanelli, even Angelo, a little before that, they grew up wanting to be Sports Talk people. And they saw, at least locally, a town where you could talk very incisively about the Eagles and then the Phillies. You you had teams you could really talk about for four hours a day and people would want to listen. But they're really not that talented. Uh, you say what you want about Angelo, or I know you hate Anthony or Glenn, but all these guys like wrote and covered sports beforehand. And now I know you didn't, but you've been, you've been doing radio since you were 14. So you're kind of a unique breed, but a lot of these guys, like they, they went to college, they interned at a radio station, then they became a producer. Then they became an overnight guy. Now they're trying to become afternoon guys, but they've never actually, um, like, look, I'm a guy sitting in a basement, but they never covered anything, and all they've wanted to be is is this is this sports talker, but they're dealing with they're they're trying to recreate a format that worked fifteen years ago and is and is kind of changing is is that a reasonable assessment
1: well yeah, yeah, and the other thing and i see see it with some of the young people here too, and I say young, I'm thirty, so it's not like I'm you know an old guy, but like all these kids like you listen to me. And you know that I'm influenced by a Howard Stern or an Opie and Anthony or who like it's obvious. And I know I've been accused of being a rip off of those guys, whatever, but it's obvious that those are the people that, you know, mo like I was motivated by, but you also have to have your own sound about the way you do it. And I think what you're getting a lot now is you get a lot of these, these young guys and they all want to be Colin Cowherd. I think he's kind of the, the guy that, that people want to be now. Right. Like, I think that, you know, he's the guy that talks about a lot of shit that the average fan really doesn't give a fuck about, like TV ratings and, and you know, wh- like, you know, he, he tells you all the time why he talks about certain topics and why you don't care. Like, like and everybody's kind of doing that. They all want to do the relate it back to your life thing. But the problem is all these guys try to do the cowherd shtick when they're 25 years old. So, like, what do you know about life? What the fuck do you know about anything? You're a 25 year old. When I was 25, I was trying to do the cowherd shtick. And people would go, who the fuck are you? You're a 25-year-old putz. You don't know anything. And so everybody wants to kind of be cowherd. Before that, it was everybody wants to be Rome. And what I've noticed is, like, there's a lot of people, especially in that part of the country, that just don't have anything interesting to say. And they don't have their own sound. And they don't have their own voice. It's just kind of, you know, see what they talk about on ESPN and assume that's what you have to talk about. Or worse, for you guys in Philly, is you get all these guys that just do the same generic Philly shit. Why do you hate the Cowboys? Is Bryce Harper a Philly guy? Uh, you know, that type of bullshit. And I think people deserve a little bit better than that, to tell you the truth.
0: Probably a good note to end on. Yeah, I guess. Uh, oh, go ahead.
2: Well, I just, well, then my only question would be to so them what should they be talking about more? Because uh, this is something that I know that Russ and I have, have talked about before, and Kyle just, you know, Right now, I know the thing that, that Kyle and Russ keep talking about is, man, all they talk about is Eagles. All they talk about is the Eagles. What, is, what, should, what should the discussion be in Philly right
1: now? Well, well, that's a fair question. Again, I'm not there every day to feel the vibe, but I can tell you that when I was there, people would say, why aren't you talking? Like, if they bitched that I didn't talk about the Phillies, and I would tell them, well, I'm not going to talk about a team that is going to lose 100 games because the odds are the masses don't care. The masses will always care about the Eagles. And it's not so much that you're talking about the Eagles. It's just find a different route to it. Find a different angle on it. Um, like I'll tell you something that I got burned out on real quick, but I was probably wrong on. And I got burned out on talking about the fucking process stuff because I knew which direction it was going to go. It'd be old people calling up saying the process is a fucking joke. And it'd be a bunch of young hipsters saying, let me tell you about the process and why Hinky's a genius. And so I got burned on it really fast, but like, Find something that's not the easy, Well, here's what I do know, they go for the easy call driving stuff, like that's the key, like a lot of these guys wouldn't be able to handle a, you know, talking by themselves for four hours, which I've learned that callers are fine and they're good for what you're trying to do, but they ask just a stupid, lousy, bullshit question like that Bryce Harper thing yesterday, and it's like, talk about Bryce Harper, that'd be cool, like, hey, what if Bryce Harper were here, that'd be great, And it's even something that if you want to just, you know, ramble on about it for five minutes between the two of you, like, hey, would the fans here accept it? Like, that's even fine. But to make that like a focal point of your show makes your audience look like they're just a bunch of fucking dipshits. Like that Philly's just a bunch of dipshits that wouldn't take Bryce Harper because he's not, you know, Vince Papali. Like, that's the shit they have to get out of. Like, they need to modernize a little bit. And understand, like, as you said, Kyle, there's a lot of 30-somethings like you that don't live and breathe it, but like it, but don't live and breathe the way people maybe used to live and breathe it. They play fantasy sports. Um, you know, they get into more individuals than maybe even teens. And like, that's the kind of stuff to do that. The, why do you hate the Cowboys or Bryce Harper shit is, is tired and lame and lazy. And it appeals to 70 year old men.
0: <laughs> fair. agree on most of the points. Um, Listen, thanks for doing this again. Well, I'll probably cut this up a little bit um, and spread it across a couple shows. But, uh, yeah, thanks for doing it.
1: Hey, You bet, guys. I appreciate you. And uh, I'm sure I'll talk to you guys again.